everybody. Welcome back to a, another edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me as usual, my co-host, uh, here he is, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Hey, Jeff. How are you today? It's uh, it's awesome to be back. And uh, I don't know. Uh, what, what do you want to talk about? You know, I do like to give you options. I don't yeah. like to, I don't like to pigeonhole you. So no, exactly. I'm kind of was I'm kind of, you know, like jonesing for something different. All right. Well, then. Uh, so one, I, I think we both have some baseball history stuff we could talk about if we want to go that route. Sure. Or uh, I watched a movie this week that that really it, it's really kind of changed the way I look at athletics. And I thought maybe you would want to talk about it. Uh, there is apparently something that, believe it or not, is a uh, competitive endurance tickling. Okay. So, is, uh, do you know, can you tell me, is it the genders, is it cross gender? <laughs> it could be whatever you want it to be. I'm not, I'm not into fully like tickling our, our, uh, our uh, audio engineer, Moogie Klingman or anything like that. Uh, well, I will tell you, I am extremely ticklish. Um, so, so am I. So let's stay out of this. League. Let's let's stay away from competitive you know endurance tickling. I can't wait to talk about ba- baseball history, Jeff. Let's do that. <laughs> All right, we might as well. We we've done it before. We can do it again. All right, so let's uh, let's do jump into our first segment uh, as we like to do. I've got a bunch of just kind of odds and ends that we like to call batting practice. So. Let's uh, let's warm up for the main thing today. Just a, a teaser of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, this is something Mark had ready last week, but he was suffering from the coronavirus last week. <laughs> no is uh, is the Senior Professional Baseball League from the late '80s, and uh, I'm super excited to talk about that, Mark. <laughs> I know it, it's uh, it's something I remember, and I really thought was going to be cool. Yeah, uh, well, and it yeah. was cool during yeah. its. It certainly did. Season and a half. (laughs) But we'll get into that. Let's first, let's warm up and take some BP. First thing I just want to mention is that we are now into the month of February and there will be spring training baseball games being played within this month. So something to look forward to. Hallelujah. I have been watching the Australian uh, Baseball League. The playoffs just started there. Been watching that. Nice. Where you been watching that on uh, YouTube? Yeah, on YouTube. There's a couple of channels that do it live there with some guys that have apparently never played or seen baseball before. So that's always fun. But um, that is available. I did want to talk about I saw something interesting from Japan. And as you know, I am a I'm I'm a fan. I, I really find a lot of things that they do in the NPB very interesting. I saw Adam Jones just arrived uh, in Japan last week and uh, just a couple of days ago, the, uh, the Oryx Buffalo, who he plays for, started their spring camp, and he was taking cuts. Nice. I think they're going to like him. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to definitely follow uh, follow Oryx and, and see how he does this year. I wanted to talk about Tuffy Rhodes, though, really quick. Oh, we yeah. We talked about Tuffy, and I mean, I remember Tuffy from those three home runs on opening day for the Cubs back in, what was that, like <laughs> 88 God, or 89 something I, I like remember that. you know why I remember that so well is that I was I was in a rotisserie baseball league and usually in those leagues you don't draft until after the first few games have been played so whoever was going to draft him was going to end up with three home runs <laughs> automatically and I think he ended up ended up with like six on the season but you know they got to lead in home runs in that category for a short while yeah well remember Tuffy Rhodes had a brilliant career in Japan 
uh, after you know kind of just being uh being an average ball player here minus that one opening day game uh, he was uh, he's been eligible for the Japanese Baseball Hall of Fame for a couple of years now but he is it really doesn't look like he's going to make it his he's losing support every year they uh, they vote very similar to the way that it happens here where you've got to get 75% to to make it in and he is fading but his numbers uh for his time in Japan he batted 286 with a 940 OPS in Jeez. his 13 seasons Jeez. in the NPB. Wow. So, I mean, that yeah, that's incredible. He won home run titles four different times in both leagues, and he won the RBI crown three times. He made what they call the best nine team, which is essentially uh, kind of like an all-American team. It's, it's, it's kind of, I, I believe it's kind of like that. And he was also the Pacific League MVP in 2001. Uh, through his 13 seasons, he hit 464 home runs. Wow. Which that's a lot of home runs in 13 seasons. That is still the 13th most all time in the NPB. He's still 21st in RBIs with 1,269. But he was uh, reading about his relationship with the media. I, I really kind of equate him to Jeff Kent. Oh, oh. Like if he had a good game, he was happy to talk to people. But if he did not have a good game, people didn't really want to get near him. So that might be part of the reason why he is not so, you know, openly uh, mm-hmm. getting these votes and, and losing support. So I did a little bit more research into the NPP Hall of Fame. Nobody was voted in this year. Oh, wow. Which is this is the first time that that has ever happened. But if you remember earlier this year, we talked about that their equivalent of the Cy Young Award was not given out either. That's right. So I'm a I'm just such a huge fan of this. If if nobody deserves it, don't hand it out. Don't in you know induct somebody. It it makes that award it makes the, it just that much more unattainable, which makes it way cooler when you win it. Yeah, if somebody doesn't deserve it, don't. Don't give it out. Don't put them in. Let's, you know, make it make it something that you really have to work for. Not just a well, I guess this is the best we've got, Harold Baines. So um, a couple of other names uh, that I wanted to talk about with the NPB Hall of Fame, Alex Ramirez. So he had a brief career here in the in the National League. Uh, He became a pretty big star in the NPB. He finished this year with a 65.8%. And from what I read, might be one of those guys in a couple of years that actually does get voted in. Uh, Randy Bass, who we have talked endlessly about, uh, you know, big, big guy from the Hanshin Tigers. He left Japan in 1988 and is probably the most popular foreign born you know, player in the history of the NPP, he reached 65.9. So what? he's still, he's still on the ballot and he's still getting closer, but uh, it's, it's kind of a slow go. He's, um, he's not, Randy Bass isn't in their hall of fame. No, right? no. And I've got some more, I've got some more hall of fame info here, but a name that I did see on the list that this year only garnered 17.2% was Kenji Jojima. Oh, wow former backstop for the Seattle Mariners absolutely at one point but yeah so it doesn't look like he's going to get in but a couple a little bit of background on Alex Ramirez 
He is the only foreign-born player to reach 2,000 career hits in the NPB. He won two Central League MVP awards with the Yamayuri Giants, and he has been the uh, skipper of the Yokohama Bay Stars since 2016. And uh, I think he's, he's even made it to the Climax Series one time, but they didn't win. I think he's made the playoffs a couple of times, though, with the Bay Stars. So I did a little little research. I talked uh, talked to our friend uh, Trevor at the Hanjin Tigers English News, and uh, I found a couple of names in terms of I was interested in foreign-born players in the NPB Hall of Fame. So first, there is Wally Yanamini. So he was the first American to play professional baseball in Japan after World War II, and he played for, like everybody seems to, the Yamayuri Giants. He was inducted into the Japanese Baseball Hall of Fame in 1994, and he is the only American uh, that has so far been admitted into the Hall as a player. Uh, There's also Victor Starfin, not Starfish, but Starfin. He was a Russian uh, player. He was the first professional pitcher in Japan to win 300 games, finished with 83 career shutouts, and is still number one all-time in that category for shutouts in in the Japanese league. And uh, he is the only other foreign-born player inducted into the Hall of Fame, along with Wally Yanamini. Hold on one second. Not the Russian guy how to pitch. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Where did he pick up? Okay. Well... You know? I, I mean, I assume he had to go to Japan and may, right. uh, he probably learned, maybe he was young there. I, I didn't happened, I didn't do uh, a whole bunch of research on happen to have an arm for it. I don't know. That's that's pretty amazing, though. So I've got one more name here. Tadahashi Wakabayashi, who was born in Hawaii to Japanese parents. So he had uh-huh. dual citizenship. And he was a pitcher in the 1930s. So he's still foreign born, but he was Japanese. But he likewise is in the Hall of Fame as well. So he's he's no Russian, though. He is no Victor Starfin. Actually, he 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 was a pretty good pitcher, though. I believe (laughs) I believe it's pronounced Victor Starfin. There you go. (laughs) Da. Liv, I were to ask you. Who do you think played in the worst attended game in Major League Baseball history? What would your what would your guess be? Wow. Um, maybe one of those hundred loss San Diego teams uh, against um, uh, an upstart young Florida Marlins team. I don't know. <laughs> well, this is you and me. So uh, it has to be the Seattle Mariners at the Oakland Athletics. (laughs) Well, lucky us. (laughs) Got to be proud. April 17th, 1979. Not a good year for Oakland. The A's were on their way to a 54 and 108 mark. Oof. Well, at least uh, they didn't lose 110. Nope. They they managed to, to, and this this was one of the games they won. Uh, the weather was not nice. It was as it, you know, April is not. <laughs> I wear several layers and take rain stuff every game uh, yeah. during April. The weather's cold and rainy. It was their first regular season home game that was actually televised ever in the Bay Area. So the weather's bad. The teams are are going to be bad and it's going to be on TV. So, you know, if you had any interest right. in going, you're probably just going to say, you know, maybe I'll just catch this one on the tube. Why venture forth into the weather? Yeah. Into yeah. the mausoleum. Yeah. yeah. 
So only 653 tickets were sold for this game. Of those 653, only 250 people actually passed through the turnstile. So uh, an intimate gathering, to say the least. Now, also remember, this is when Charlie Finley had essentially completely checked out. He didn't care anymore. He was looking to unload the team. At this point, there were only six employees in the front office of the Oakland Athletics. One of those was a 17-year-old Stanley Burrell, the vice president of the team at that point, who was no doubt spitting some fat lyrics there because, of course, Stanley... The uh, the one the the one time Bat Boy turned into MC Hammer. The the legend. Uh oh, please Hammer, don't hurt him. Don't hurt them. Whatever you do, do not hurt them. So the, uh, awesome. the crowd of two hundred and fifty people. I that's got. I mean, listen, I've been to some games where by the end of it, that's probably about all there is in the stands. But I would hope that. You could just the ushers at that point are like, go sit wherever you want. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, okay. So the last two episodes we've, I, I have completely forgotten. And one of them was the Ricky Henderson episode. So I will allow myself to forget something during that episode. But last week we completely forgot to talk about our minor league teams that are, you know, under threat of being oh, yeah. unaffiliated by major league baseball. So I wanted to get back into that because I want to give these teams and let people know about these teams that might essentially be cut off in a year. So today I want to talk about the Idaho falls chuckers, the chuckers, the chuckers. Now I thought a chucker, I just thought, Oh, that's a great, you know, that's what a, some pitchers are chuckers. They're not pitchers, you know? Right. And I kind of thought that that's what it was, but that's not what a chucker is at all. A chucker is uh, it's a Eurasian upland game bird in the pheasant family. <laughs> oh, that chucker. That chucker. Yeah, it's spelled C H U K A R S. So, okay. So the uh, the Idaho Falls team was founded in 1940. Since the year 2004, they've been a Royals single A club in the Pioneer League, and they've been affiliated with it's it's one of those teams, again, where it's quicker just to maybe go down the list of teams they haven't been affiliated with because, (laughs) yes, they were actually around before 1940, but that's when they kind of became the team that they are now. So they have been I mean, they were affiliated with the Brooklyn Dodgers at one point. It's it's they've gotten around. Wow. Okay. From the 40s to the 60s, they were actually called the Idaho Falls Russets, which is (laughs) after the potato. After the, I can just you could have put a potato on the on the hat as the logo, and oh man, I'm buying one. Absolutely. Now I have no idea how to pronounce this field that they play at. The Mela Luca, Mela M E L A L E U C A. Now, between this and the Japanese names earlier, I'm having a tough episode already, but I didn't put too much time into figuring out how to pronounce this field because it's named after a multi-level marketing company that picked up the bill when the stadium was being built and they went over budget. So I, <laughs> now I was not able to confirm if the stadium is in fact in a pyramid shape or not, <laughs> but multi-level marketing company. Um, the mascot is Charlie the Chucker. Makes perfect alliteration. Of course, yep. Sense. A lot of great names have played there. Some current names. 
Uh, as I mentioned, they've been the Royals Farm Club since 2004. So most of these, well, these current players are all came up in the Royals organization. Eric Hosmer, Salvador Perez, Mike Moustakis, as well as a lot of the uh, a lot of those guys that were on the Royals World Series team from 2016. Uh, former players that have played there for other teams, Jake Peavy, my one of my least favorite announcers of all time, but I enjoyed him as a pitcher, Rick Sutcliffe. Sure. Jose Canseco. They were an A's farm club at one point. Jose Canseco and Carney Lansford spent time in Idaho Falls and Kevin Brown, likewise, oh, wow. spent time there. I remember they were the Dodgers when I really knew them, when I was in Salt Lake and the uh, Salt Lake Trappers and the Salt Lake Golds yep. were playing in the Pioneer League. That's when I knew them when they were the Dodgers, but they've been okay. a lot of a lot of different people. All right, so let's get to our final part here of BP. I gave you a trivia question last week. Let you uh, think about it and the question was who is the oldest player to hit their first career home run? And unless right. you did some some serious research, I'm going to say you did not come up with the answer to this one. I uh, know and I I felt it was wrong to research this and then <laughs> and then act like I knew it. You know, I just I, I'll do that normally, but not with this particular question. All right. Well, maybe this maybe with today's question, you can. Do yeah, that. we'll see. How oh, yes. Yeah. The oldest player to hit their first career home run was a gentleman named Johnny Cooney. I've never heard of Johnny Cooney. Mm, me neither. But he made nearly twenty five hundred plate appearances in the big leagues before he hit his first career home run. Wow. By the time he did that, he was 38 years old. Wow. And this works in perfectly talking about old, older okay. guys. And we're going to talk about the senior league baseball uh, league here in a minute. He was 38 years old before he hit his first career home run. And then just for good measure, the next day he hit his second career home run. <laughs> no way. That's awesome. After that, never hit another one. <laughs> <laughs> for two days in a row, he was hot. It uh, felt stick. so good to hit that first one that he, he had to feel he had to experience it again. Yeah, he probably got tired after rounding the bases two days in a row. So he just he could never do it again. But Johnny Cooney, there you go. There you go. All right. So my question, and it has kind of has to do with an old guy. I always think of Tommy John as being an old guy, even yeah. though, you know, he was a pitch. He had a very long career. Yes. So here is my question for you for next week. Who was the first Hall of Famer to have Tommy John surgery? Ooh. Ooh. And we know that Tommy John is not in the Hall of Fame. Right. So, so it is out. not Tommy John. That's a tough one. Very interesting. I'm not going to give you any clues, any hints. I'm just going right. to ask who was the first Hall of Famer to have Tommy John surgery? I will While he was a player. Let me put it that way. Okay. I don't know. Somebody... Joe Morgan might have had Tommy John surgery after he was in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. But yeah, this was a current when they were playing when they had Tommy John okay. surgery. I will, I will spend the week pondering. All right, you ponder away. Yes. All right, so that's going to do it for our BP segment. We are now going to jump into the main part of the show. And Mark, I'm going to have you go first today. I have some distinct memories of the uh, the senior professional baseball league. I don't even remember what it was called, but you are here to tell us all about it. Yes. The senior professional baseball association. Most people just called it the senior league. And yep. it was uh, it was a winter league team. 
and it played in, as you said, the late 80s, uh, 89 and 90, I believe. And it was, uh, you, you had to be 35 years old and or, or older to play in the senior league, or if you were a catcher, 32 or older. I mean, how many catchers, think about it, how many catchers are on big league rosters today that are over 32 years old? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a thankless position, man. Yeah, yeah it, it, these guys, uh, I, I can understand why you wouldn't want to say, catchers, and you got to be 50. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. But uh, there's some some really good players, some people that you've heard of, that you knew of, a couple of Hall of Famers, Raleigh Fingers, Ferguson Jenkins, uh, both in the Hall of Fame. They both played in the uh, the senior league. Um, and a great Oakland A's pitcher, Vita Blue, Dave Kingman. Kingman senior was on the A's at one point as well. He was. And, uh, you know, other, other players like, um, well, Kind of interesting to find out that uh, you're thinking about, you know, these old guys, right? And how well are they going to play? Well, Ron Washington, who played for the team West Palm Beach, he hit 359 with uh, 73 RBIs. And he won. He was the MVP in, in 89. Mickey Rivers hit 366. And the oldest everyday player in the league was Burt Campanaris. <laughs> Campy. 47 years old. At the age of 47, he stole 16 bases. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> Ricky'd still call him up and say, 16 bases. 16. have that in the first week. Do you imagine if Ricky was in the senior league? <laughs> the, the league was the brain trust of a gentleman named Jim Morley. He was a, a real estate investor. He'd made a lot of money. And he was trying to come up with some ideas to uh, uh, what to invest in next. And his, his girlfriend suggested some great ideas. A restaurant, a bead store. Oh. Or a balloon delivery service. Oh, but he thought what, those were goofy ideas. What about a bead delivery service? I think he's missed out here. I, you know what? And in the in the days of the the gig economy, I think bead delivery might be something we want to jump on. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me write that down real quick. If we're not back next week, you know it's because we've made our fortune on a bead delivery service. Okay, I got it. Where do we get beads? You know what? I Amazon. have a I can ask. Okay. Amazon. Oh, no, we go. order it from Amazon and then we deliver. That's it. Done. Okay. Handled. Uh, yeah. So th this was her. I these were her ideas. He said, you know, those are silly ideas. I think people want to see old dudes play baseball. And I do. He was right. I did want to see old dudes play baseball. So he formed the uh, Senior Professional Baseball Association. And he it didn't even take him a year to put it all together and get out on the field. It took 11 months. So they came up with the idea of, you know, where are we going to play? Who are we going to, who are we going to sign, et cetera. He, he bought a book that was uh, something that autographers passed around that had home mailing addresses of a lot of retired players in case you wanted to. <laughs> Which is great. Great. Yeah. And that, that's hilarious. Some guy had compiled all this. And so he sent letters out to everybody. Hey, I'm starting a senior baseball league. Are you interested? And boy, they were more than interested. He got, Hundreds of, of, of returns, 700 and some uh, people, baseball players re replied to him saying, yeah, well, I'm definitely interested. So he, he definitely had the, uh, the willing players. And he also, he went to his buddies out in, in the, you know, I don't know if there's like millionaire uh, bars that they hang out in. He went to the millionaire <laughs> bar 
And his buddies each decided he got uh, seven more guys to invest about a million dollars a piece. And they put together the the uh, now defunct senior league. It only lasted. I'm going to I'm going to ruin the end right now. It only lasted a year and a half. Um, it uh, it had its issues. It had its problems on occasion. Uh, but uh, it it was it was a lot of fun while it lasted. I started looking around for memorabilia and stuff of of these senior teams, and um, I found uh, there's actually a pretty decent amount of collectibles out there for these things for these guys. Um, well, I, I everything. Yeah, I mean, beyond just the cool, I mean, the hats are pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. Oh, there yeah. is one of my favorite is, is you mentioned Raleigh Fingers. There's a, you know, they made baseball cards of this. Yeah. And there is a, uh, a Raleigh Fingers baseball card where he, when he was on the tropics. And yes. uh, he is, it's his baseball card. And this uniform, did you see the Will Ferrell basketball movie Semi-Pro? I think yes. is it called Semi-Pro? Yes. They're called the Tropics, right? Uh, and that, yes. and they're all these, these, I call it day glow because I'm grew up in the eighties, but you know, like those bright colors, this uniform, it looks just like the Tropics uniform that they wore in that movie. It's great. And, but he's still got the mustache. Wow. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. That's, you know, it, even if he couldn't grow it anymore, he'd have to glue one on. It's a trademark thing. You know, <laughs> it's like me and the bright orange red beard. I, 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 if I can't grow it anymore, I'm just going to have to start painting my chin. Because it's just me. <laughs> anyway. So, so let, let me go over real quick. The eight teams of the uh, senior professional baseball association. So we had the Bradenton explorers, the Fort Myers sun socks, the gold coast suns. So we got two suns in there already. And we had the Orlando Juice, which is an odd name, and the St. Lucie, the Legends. Yes, they were the St. Lucie Legends, the St. Petersburg Pelicans, the West Palm Beach Tropics, there's your team, and the Winter Haven Super Sox. <laughs> so you could be on the Sun Sox and play in Fort Myers, or you could play in Winter Haven and, and play for the Super Sox. So they had two Sox teams, just like the big leagues have. So uh, those those were your teams. There are some pretty uh pretty good ball players, and and I mean not everybody was a Hall of Famer, but I started looking over some of these fields. Uh, the just looking at the Juice, one of the, our show's buddies played for the Juice, man, Randy Bass. Uh, did he really? <laughs> he, did. he did. He's a the, the legendary uh, Japanese slugger. He came and, and played for the Juice. He, uh, they uh, did not do so well. They averaged the league worst 400 fans per game. Ooh. So Randy wasn't exactly a draw to everyone, just to people like you and me. The Juice <laughs> also had Jose Cruz, one of my favorite players of all time, Tom Pachorek, Bake McBride, UL Washington. They, they were good players on every one of these teams. So I've got some Juice, some juice facts. Okay. Vita Blue and Bill Madlock also on that team. Bill Madlock was one of my favorites. But this, this is the best thing that I found about the entire senior league was that the, uh, as the, as that 89 90 season ended, the owner of the juice, Philip Breen, disappeared. <laughs> the reason why he disappeared, the FBI was after him on charges of embezzlement. Oh, <laughs> so well, as you can guess, the juice were not around for the second season. <laughs> the juice, uh, yeah, they were the 1989 juice, and <laughs> you know they never even said what kind of juice it was. Well, I'm gonna guess it was orange juice. I'm assuming it's orange juice. 
you know, who knows? But anyway, hey, the juice, they were solid. The uh, the St. Petersburg Pelicans. And uh, that's probably my favorite jersey. It's uh, it's kind of a cool jersey. If anybody wants to buy me one, that's totally cool with me. <laughs> Just, well, for handing out jerseys, I would yeah. like. <laughs> uh, Ron LaFleur was uh, was a Pelicans outfielder. And uh, you might remember him from the, the Ron LaFleur story. Did you ever see that? LeVar Burton played Ron LaFleur. It, it, was a, it was a TV movie. I saw it one time. I swear it exists. I looked it up. It does exist. It's called One in a Million, The Ron LaFleur Story. Now, wasn't Ron LaFleur, didn't, wasn't he a fast guy? I know he played for the Expos. Or no, he didn't. He played for the Tigers. The Tigers, yes. Yeah, he was a fast guy. Led the league a couple of times in stolen bases. Yeah, he was, uh, when he was discovered, he was serving a uh, five to 15 year sentence for armed robbery. Mm. And he, he was on the, don't lie, he was on the inmates team. And uh, he ended up becoming a star for Detroit and for Montreal. Did so, he ever play a, another, uh, another team of inmates led by Burt Reynolds? No, uh, I, I looked out for that. And I was, there was a, an attempt to put a bowling match together between the mean machine. <laughs> <laughs> and for I guess I guess for our our younger listeners, uh, another team led by Adam Sandler didn't he wasn't yeah. he in the remake in the remake yes yeah. there you go um, the here's a little piece of trivia I found interesting the Tampa Bay Rays actually held a St Petersburg Pelicans reunion and turned back the clock night oh that's in awesome eight isn't that that, I thought is that cool. was so cool um, they uh, basically they reunited about two dozen former Pelicans players. And uh, the Rays wore Pelicans throwback jerseys. I didn't know anything about that. I think that's so cool. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta look that up. That looks, that would be awesome. Yeah. So a lot of fun. Uh, not a lot of fans. They had everything but the fans. You know, um, they had a TV, a national TV contract they, too, but they no fans. Did. They had, uh, they had memorabilia. They had baseball cards. Um, you know, this this Morley guy was dead serious about making this succeed. He just may have been a better real estate guy than he was a, a sports guy. Um, yeah, the they, uh, owners invested um, about a million into each team, and the league um, signed a modest television contract, but it was a national television contract. Oh, I remember. I remember growing up in Salt Lake City as a baseball-starved youth in the wintertime watching these games every week. One, because it was oh, baseball, yeah. but two, because I got to see players that I had only heard about actually playing. So, you know, while it wasn't crisp, beautiful baseball, it was baseball by guys that I knew. Right. Yeah, it, it was really fun. It, something interesting, and I remember this, so I, I looked it up and I, I was able to finally find it. David Letterman did a top 10 list. <laughs> yeah. The top 10 things overheard at a senior league baseball game. So <laughs> as, as, I, I don't need the drum roll. If you got one, throw it in. I'm going to go through the top 10 just because it's so freaking funny. Uh, number 10, is that a signal? Or is he just adjusting his trusts? Number nine. <laughs> number nine, a correction for you home viewers. That was not in slow-mo. Number eight, are those pinstripes or varicose veins? Ooh, ouch. Out. Number seven, wow, the wind really got under that hairpiece. <laughs> six, and if you're a visual person, just don't listen for the next few seconds. Number six, that's not Morgana. That's B. Arthur. <laughs> 
Number five, I bet he does live through the game, Mr. Rose. What? Oh, I I I get it. Okay. Yeah. That one that was a thinker. Yes, it was an IQ buster. Number four, you want to wake the guy in the on deck circle? Number three, hey batter, hey batter. Uh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Number two, oatmeal, get your nice hot oatmeal. And the number one thing overheard at the senior league game, have you ever smelled so much Ben Gay? <laughs> So it was it was pop culture. Uh, it was pretty fun yeah, when it all uh, it all went down, and um, they they actually finished off their their nineteen eighty nine season, and uh, everybody you know stuck around and 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 they played and had uh, second season started up and it just it didn't really take off at that point, and they only made it about halfway through, but uh, it it was uh, it was fun while it lasted, you know. 1990, you had the, the league's fo- top four teams in a three-game single elimination tournament. Yeah, that's always fair. In baseball, yeah. to have those single... Well, yeah. I say It'll, that as somebody that's lost the wild card game. If I, you know, my team's lost the wild card game in the last two years. Yes. Uh, and it uh, basically, it uh, gave the, them the opportunity, though, to have a champion. The, the, uh, as uh, the Pelicans, led by Lamar Johnson, beat the Tropics 12-4. to 4 for the league's first championship. So I don't know if they had a really cool trophy they got to pass around or what. I don't think they could lift it. That's a good point. Uh, The trust thing comes into play again. (laughs) The, uh, you know, I, I, what I will say is if there is a league trophy for the senior professional baseball association, it does not quite have the history of the Stanley cup. That's all I'm (laughs) going to go out and say say that right now. It's just a, a bottle of laxatives. Yes. It, it, the uh, second season only lasted about 22, 23 games, depending on which team you played for. They, uh, they threw in some uh, uh, teams that one team was from uh, Arizona, one from LA. I think they had a traveling team too. Yeah. One of the, one of the Florida teams didn't have a home. So they just played on the road. The whole <laughs> Yes. So, you know, it, here we go. The, uh, the, they added a club in Arizona, which was the sun city rays. Oh, I get it. Sun rays. Yeah. Uh, and then the San Bernardino pride. Sun city in Arizona, by the way, is over. It's on the West side over by Peoria and, uh, and, and surprise. Yeah. And surprise, but sun city though, is funny because it is a, like you <laughs> generally are over the age of 60 if you live in sun city. So to play <laughs> the senior league there, that's funny. Give the retirees something to do, something to watch, you know, the, the San Bernardino Pride was the California team, and uh, they dropped the minimum age to 34, and they went from 88 games to 56. So uh, about less than halfway through, they uh, folded the day after Christmas in 1990. And so the Senior League went the way of the dinosaur in another sad ending. But boy, it was fun while it lasted, and it, was, uh, it, it gave us the opportunity to watch some some people, some players we knew play ball in the winter, which was cool. Yeah. So I've got a couple of other, a couple of other uh, fun things from that happened here. Uh, in the first season, the uh, shortstop for the Fort Myers Sun Sox, Tim Ireland, he successfully pulled off the hidden ball trick three times <laughs> in the first year. <laughs> oh man. See, the first thing that goes your mind. It's almost not fair. 
this is a name I, I know uh, as a he's been a pitching coach for a long time or used to be Mike Cuellar. Oh, Mike Cuellar, are you sure? He was the oldest pitcher in the league at that point at age 52. Wow. <laughs> he pitched 25 and a third innings. He allowed 58 base runners. <laughs> is that good? That's not good, right? <laughs> that whip is <laughs> not what you're what you're striving for there. Yeah, that's that's not even a whip. That's a whop. That's that's not a, a whap. That's not good. <laughs> no, they, they, there's been, uh, been much better than that. Uh, Bill Lee, Bill Spaceman Lee Bill played Spaceman. Uh, played for this. Uh, they tried to get so the the Winter Haven Super Sox at that point the Red Sox played their spring training or their spring training. Uh, location was winter haven they tried to load up on former red Sox for that team trying to i and actually that makes sense i mean that would draw the locals i think so they had uh, guys like butch hobson bernie carbo cecil cooper bill lee and rick wise but uh they it didn't didn't help a whole lot there <laughs> something interesting that that i also found out there were actually some players that signed major league contracts after playing in the senior circuit Ron Washington, Joaquin Andujar, Paul Mirabelli, Danny Boone, and Ozzy Virgil all signed uh, contracts. Mirabella, Boone, and Virgil all got to play in the majors after they played in the senior circuit. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. give people the opportunity to showcase that they, they could still do it. I know I read somewhere that there was, um, that for that second season, and I, I'm trying to look through my notes here to figure out where it was, but Morley had an idea he wanted to change the league up because, you know, obviously the it, it didn't go that well. No, it did <laughs> but not. He had an idea what he wanted to do in that uh, for that second season is he wanted to have a mixture of players. He wanted to have only so many that were essentially senior, you know, retired senior league guys. Then yeah. he wanted another like third of the teams to be guys from the current major leagues that needed to rehab during the winter. So this would give them game experience. And then he also wanted another third of the rosters to be guys from the Japanese league that wanted to come over and play during the winter. Wow. But that, that never happened. And then that's actually awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. It, it would be, would have been interesting. I'm, I be, sure. I was beginning to think when I, when I heard you talk about this is could this work today? That was my next question. I was going to run that by you, Jeff. Do, do you think, you think they could do it today? So here's my thoughts on that. So, and one of the things that Morley, how he came up with this idea is he went to a senior golf tour event. And, you know, those draw very well because people still want to see their, you know, their favorite golfers play. Tennis does the same thing. Bowling does this kind of thing. So that's where he came up with this. And, you know, I remember watching this and like I said, it wasn't great, but it was, it was fun for me as, you know, but you look at things like the NFL's got all these other football leagues, the XFL's getting ready to start up with. They had another one last year that didn't even make it through the season. And the reason why is because all these players are just nobodies that are trying to make it. Yeah. And it, they're not good. I mean, the, the scores are low. They're, it's not quality play. I would much rather go and see, you know, guys that I actually know. If they're not going to be good, I'd I want to see guys that I know doing it. Like if you could get me a league right now where David Cohn is on the mound and he's pitching to Albert Bell, I'd I'd watch oh. that. Oh, I'm in. Absolutely. Yeah, you betcha. 
I think they might want to, you know, a 70 plus game schedule is a bit ambitious. I think right. maybe they should go for something like the Australian League does, where they play three or four games starting on Friday, you know, through the weekend. Yeah, I, no, I think that's a great idea. I, I don't think this is a six games a week kind of kind of deal. And you you especially, I think you do want to centralize it. Put it in in you know one league in Florida and one in Arizona, so right. you can use your spring training facilities. There's no travel until you get to the playoffs, or maybe one week a year you 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 play in the other one. But you know, to put somebody in San Bernardino and Arizona and everybody else is in Florida, that's never gonna work. Yeah. But I yeah. I'd be interested. I think I'm with it, you. I'm with you hundred percent. I think that not every ball player, but all, um the majority of the ball players take really good care of themselves physically uh these days and can probably play for longer. I I just um that you know these guys are just talented. Shoot, I would pay to go see. I would I would make a special trip to go watch some senior league. Yeah, be it. Oh, and think of the autographs. I mean, that's one way you got to sell it. Is you know, okay, before the game or after the game, these guys are going to be available for autographs for 20, 20 minutes, half an hour. Um, I could also see it as being kind of like the Caribbean and and the Mexican leagues during the winter, where guys just come and go. Yeah. So a guy might go down there and he might not start playing until three weeks into the season. He might play for a month and then he leaves, you know, they might not be there for the entire year, but sure. I, sure. I, I, I can see this. I can see it. I, I don't know. I'm not going to say it's going to be profitable, but I can see it happening. I, I, I would love to, uh, I would love to see something like that. Thanks. Thanks for that, Mark. I wanted to kind of coattail on what you were talking about and, and just wanted to talk about some, old guys, as well as some young guys, uh, as it pertains to major league history. And I thought this would be a good time to talk about it. Having just finished up with the senior league, I wanted to talk uh, first. I did a quick search for the oldest living baseball player that is still alive. Okay. Right now that is Eddie Robinson. He is 99 years old. He is. Uh, he was born on December fifteenth, nineteen twenty. Wow. Uh, Eddie Robinson played. Uh, he came up with the Indians in nineteen forty-two. He played for the Senators, the White Sox, the Philadelphia Athletics, the Yankees, the Tigers again, the Indians, the Orioles. He he ended up playing thirteen hundred games, hit one hundred and seventy-two home runs, lifetime batting average of two sixty-eight, and his OPS was just over 800 so really not bad at all uh, a pretty good player but he is still alive the oldest living former major leaguer there are quite a few i mean there are over 500 players that played at some point in the major leagues that are over 80 years old which wow. is, that's quite a bit the, the, yeah. the i went down from the top from the oldest to see who was the first guy that, whose name i recognized the first guy I recognized was Bobby Shantz. He's 94 years old, born in 1925. He was a pitcher, uh, mainly with the Philadelphia Athletics, though he spent some time in the Yankees um, you know, when they were good, and he was also on the Cardinals. He ended up with a 119 and 99 uh, career mark with 40, about, 48 saves. Huh? Think about some of the, the players these guys have played with or against. Yeah, I did. That's Amazing. exactly what I was thinking about. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and some of these guys that are, you know, 
just that that are in their 80s and and 90s. I mean, Al Kaline's on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou Brock is on here. You know, just some you know Hall of Famers and, and other just great names that we might have brought up at some point. That was part of what I thought of when I when That's I heard your topic. Very interesting. I like uh, it. The youngest ever player to make his debut in Major League Baseball. I know you know this name. I'm not sure if you can recall it right off the top of your head. Do you know who the youngest was ever? Was it uh, Joe Nuxhall? There you go. Yes. Very, very nice. So in, in 1942, World War II was underway and baseball was kind of in flux. Commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis wanted baseball to continue, but players were were serving the country, but baseball kept going. But what that allowed some people to do was to make the majors that probably wouldn't have at, at all or, or maybe a little bit earlier than they would have. And one of those was a 15-year-old Joe Nuxall who, who came around. Uh, a couple of other guys that made their debuts probably because the war. Uh, a one-armed outfielder named Pete Gray. Pete Gray, yeah, absolutely. He hit 218 and drove in 13 runs in 77 games. Uh, a couple of other pitchers also came up who were uh, 16 and 17 year old uh, as well. Nuxall, that that one outing was his only appearance as a 15 year old in 1944. He later rejoined the Reds in 1952 when he Eight was 23. Years. He's 23 now. <laughs> And he's, yeah, he's still young. So Yeah, he's still got, uh, he pitched 15 seasons in the big leagues after that, ended up with a career mark of 135 and 117 and a 3.9 ERA. So yeah, can you imagine that? You make your major league debut, you don't get back to the big leagues until eight years after the fact, and you're the ripe old age of 23. Yes, yeah. Man, he had to feel like, you know, he wasn't ever going to make it at 23. <laughs> So he was he was age 15. So I started to go back and working backwards from today, find the youngest players since then. So the last player to make their debut at age 18. Do you have any idea who that was in 1994? 18. I don't. It was A-Rod in 1994 well, makes for, sense. for the Mariners. Before that, the last player to make their debut at the age of 17 and this might be a name that not as many people are familiar with, was Larry Durker. Sure. So Durker was a pitcher for the, the Colt 45s, the Houston Astros. He eventually became a team broadcaster and then was and one then. of the first players or first, first guys uh, to do something that now seems to be commonplace. He was uh, broadcasting uh, the, the Astros one year. The next year, he was the manager That's of right. the Astros. It was, uh, for, as an Astros fan, that was really odd. When yeah, that happened. just weird at that point. That was in the, I think it was in the, was it in the late 90s or the early yeah. 2000s? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it was just like, uh, they hired who? Oh, okay. <laughs> and I remember he had an aneurysm when he was in the dugout and he came back and he wore, he didn't wear a helmet like Joan Olerud, but he wore a special hat that was, that was hardened. Huh. The uh, youngest pitcher to ever get a win so last year was interesting. The, the Blue Jays had a rookie, Elvis Luciano, that in his debut just pitched a third of an inning, but won on a Justin Smoke walk-off. He was uh, at that point when he got that, when he was 19 years and 72 days old. Wow. That made him the second youngest ever to 
record a victory. The youngest pitcher ever was Jose Rio in 1984 at the age of 19 years and 41 days. So just a one month younger. Jose Rio, gotta love him. Got me into the whole memorabilia collecting thing. Yep. So beyond uh, Jose Rio, some other names uh, who were young when they got their first win. Uh, Felix Hernandez was Mm -hmm. 19 years and 123 days old when he got his first win. Let's see. We mentioned Jose Rio. Doc Gooden, he was 19 years and 143 days old when he got his first. Fernando Valenzuela, 19 years, 334 days old when he got his first win. Another guy that uh, I heard about a year or two ago was Rafael Palmero. Now, if you remember, Rafael Palmero was, he was an incredible player uh, for the, the Cubs, the uh, Rangers. Rangers, and the Orioles mainly. Hit a ton, hit a ton. Was part of the uh, the group of players, Major League Baseball players, that were called to testify in front of Congress. And he famously shook his finger at, at Congress and said, I have never taken performance <laughs> enhancing drugs. And then yeah. the next week he was dinged for failing a drug test, which he still swears it had to have been a, a B12 shot that my wife gave me. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you remember he, he uh, actually did commercials for a pharmaceutical. Uh, <laughs> did you, you remember this? I don't. I'm not even making this up. He, he was the baseball spokesperson for Viagra. Oh, was he? <laughs> he was. And, and it was funny because I remember reading other comments from other players that, that said, man, I don't know if I had even taken that, no matter how much they offered me. I don't know if I had done those commercials. Just this year, players started failing, uh, failing drug tests, allegedly because they were buying uh, male enhancement pills over the counter at, at, at gas stations. That's right. Yes. Uh, Rafael Palmero, just a year or two ago, was talking about attempting a comeback at age 53. Yes, he was. And uh, that did not did not happen, obviously. <laughs> well, you know, if the senior league was around. <laughs> Yo, well, he'd fit right in there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm all for it. All for it. Absolutely. Oldest player to ever make his major league debut. Now, I'm guessing you're going to be able to figure this one out if you don't know just off the top of your head. But if you think about somebody that we've talked about many times here on this show that eventually made it to the big leagues way well, after his prime. but. My- my guess would be the legendary Satchel Page. There you go. 42 years and two days old wow. when he took them out for the Cleveland Indians on July 9th, 1948. At least we think he was 42 years old. Always a mystery as to when he actually right. was born. <laughs> and he liked to keep it that way. Yep. So there it is. There's, uh, there's the Senior League Baseball I keep calling it the Senior League Baseball League, which makes no sense. Senior <laughs> Professional Baseball Association. And uh, just some other, uh, other old and young guys that uh, that would be fun to talk about. All right, so now that brings us to one of our most popular segments uh, that uh, we've called it before. We'll call it again. It is time for Wax Packs Heroes. Gotta pull the Wax Pack Heroes. So uh, we have had some good luck here with uh, actually not wax packs, with actually cello packs. And I think that's because nobody can actually break into them, pull out the uh, good cards and then just put commons in there. (laughs) So we've had some good luck with these. We are going to return to the 1989 Tops packs, which we had good luck with last week. I had 
a lot better luck than you did, but yeah. still had some, we got some good names. Uh, right now, the standings board, I am up 11 to 9. So um, I'm hoping to stretch this lead out a little bit more uh, this week. Um, the rules, if you have not uh, heard them before, we open up, as we said, old packs of baseball cards. We are using a Beckett Baseball Card Monthly from May of 1992. That way, some of these cards have some actual value. We've got a couple of other caveats. If the player is sporting a, uh, a brush atop their upper lip, otherwise known as a mustache, you get an extra cent. If they are a Hall of Famer, you get an extra five cents. If you are, uh, if the player is wearing actual live, true to God stirrups, you get an extra cent. And if you are wearing the bane of the of our existence, the two and one stirrups, you get a minus one cent. So that's uh, that's how we score this. Uh, I've got two packs here once again, Mark. Again, these are cello packs, so I can see who is on the top here, and I can tell you neither of these cards are going to be worth anything. But uh, I'm going to give you the option of uh, being uh, choosing either the one in my left hand or my right hand. All right, I'm going back to the right. Okay. Uh, so you get this one. Do you want to? You want to continue going first, or do you want to? You want to switch it up? Um. Well, I mean. You're you're like the the current champion, so I think you should get to decide. Uh, well, I'm going to stick second then because that's okay. how I win. All right, all right. Don't sing it; just bring it. All right. So you're you're the, the card on top here is uh, is somebody we've talked about before. It's a manager card, though, so I'm sure it's worth nothing. Uh-huh. Uh, the White Rat, Whitey Herzog, Whitey Herzog. So this is a 1988 All Star card. Which I believe, yeah, we we got one of these last uh, last week, and they're not even listed in Beckett. So Whitey Whitey managed one of the most unique uh, teams in in baseball history. That that those uh, St. Louis Cardinals with Ozzie Smith and Willie McGee and Vince the, Coleman and Terry Pendleton and Tommy Herr. Was it, it was Tom Pagnozzi behind the plate? Tom Pagnozzi. Uh, it, it was it was all running and bunting and stealing, and it was really fun. Yeah, and, and wasn't uh, Joaquin Andujar, wasn't he on yes, the mound? He yeah. was. Yeah. Pulled that one out. All right. Ooh. So I'm going to start with uh, you just get that card. No, no value here. Right. Uh, and then I hate to tell you this, your next two cards are team leader cards. So that's oh, really? not going to really help you too much. Your first one is of the Cleveland Indians. Um, and uh, I, most of the leaders on this batting Carter, Julio Franco, and Joe Carter. In fact, they're the only two. There are eight categories, and it's either Julio Franco or Joe Carter leading all of them. And then the pitcher categories, it's either Doug Jones or Greg Swindell. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know who this guy is on the front. I, I thought it was Corey Snyder, but it is not. Um, really don't know who that is, but. I don't know. He's wearing stirrups, so I'm going to give you a scent just to start out with. Corey Snyder, dude. There's a guy we didn't talk about having an arm. That guy. Yeah, he had a good. He had a good arm. Um, I remember he also went to BYU, having grown up in Utah. I remember that. Uh, I remember. I remember also another guy from this. uh, I believe he was on the Indians around this time. Was Pat Tabler? Yeah, Pat Tabler, absolutely. And I remember Pat Tabler. Always led the league in batting average and RBIs with the bases loaded. 
Oh, clutch man. Yeah, he was nails when he came up and, and, and bases were loaded. Nice. All right, so your next leader card is the Detroit Tigers, which uh, <laughs> likewise, surprisingly <laughs> enough, not worth anything. Another dominant team. Uh, you've got a lot of Alan Trammell on the back. Uh-huh. Any uh, Lou Whitakers? Um, let's see. No Lou Whitaker. I mean, this is just offensive. You've got Gary Pettis yeah. on here, oh, Dewey wow. Evans, Tom Brookins, and Pat Sheridan. There's two names I haven't said. Wow, yeah. And then on the pitcher side, you got uh, Jack Morris of and course. Walt Ter- Terrell and Jeff Walt Robinson. Terrell. And hmm. Mike Henneman for the saves. There you go. The front of the card is a meeting at the mound. Mike Heath is the catcher. Hey, can't, Mike can't Heath taught me him. how to play spades. Did he? <laughs> he did. When I was working in the clubhouse, he, uh, he had been picked up by Oakland, and he was still on contract with the Braves. And so he was, everybody was learning a lot from the guy, you know, just a, a total veteran, good guy. And one day he was like, do you know how to play spades? And I was I don't know. I, not really. Let me show you. And so, uh, yeah, Mike, he taught me to play spades. I got fairly good at it. Um, but I think those guys cheat. <laughs> at least they cheat a bat boy. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So we're going to, you got your first actual player which is good news. Uh, a longtime pitching coach now. Uh, this with, in 89, he was with the Mets, Bob McClure. Oh, sure. Um, that card is not worth anything. At this point, it looks like he was a rookie with the Royals in 1975. I didn't realize he had such a long career. Wow, 75? Yeah. I didn't know that either. Uh, he is uh, wearing a mustache, and he's wearing real stirrups. So. boy. Good for you. Next, we've got uh, not a Hall of Famer, but he really should be. He is wearing a mustache. Donnie Baseball. Oh, you bet. Don Mattingly. And uh, that card is worth 10 cents plus one cent for the the mustache. All right, here we go. Uh, I think he was a third baseman. Yep, third baseman. Craig Worthington of the Baltimore Orioles. (laughs) Which not and his dog spot. We we discussed that recently. It's not not Cal Worthington, Craig Worthington. Uh, That card's not worth anything. Can't see stirrups and he's not wearing a mustache. Boy, here's a name I have not said for ever. Floyd Yeomans. (laughs) Oh, man. I remember Floyd Yeomans. Oh, boy. I, I remember the name. I couldn't tell you a thing about him. Here here he's pitching for the Expos, and uh, mm-hmm. he does have a, a mustache, but that is, uh, that is it. I can tell you that in 1975, at the age of 11, Floyd pitched versus Taiwan in the World Series championship game for 11-year-olds in Gary, Indiana. See? Where else are you going to learn stuff like that? But right here on Two Strike Noise. All right, uh, you get another team leader card, so you're really rocking. Lucky me. <laughs> this one is of interest to me, though. It is uh, of the Oakland Athletics. Oh. Uh, it's a, actually a pretty good uh, picture. It looks like Walt Weiss just homered. He is in the dugout. He is giving forearm bashes. A young Mark McGuire is waiting for him, and he is passing by Jose Canseco. Oh, nice. If we look on the back at the team leaders here, a lot of Jose Canseco's. A, uh, an appearance by Dave Henderson, Tony Phillips, and Luis Polonia. This is for the 88 leaders, so Ricky would have only played last month and a half with them. Right. And then on the pitching side, you've got Eck and Stu. That's it, Eck and Stu. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, I'm I think I remember this name, but I don't remember anything about him. Joey Meyer of the Milwaukee Brewers. He was a DH. Yeah, I know the name, but I couldn't tell you a thing about him. Well, this is his rookie card. He is sporting a, a big mustache. He's had like a, a Clue Hayworth mustache there. Nice. Um, let's see. Is a rookie card, you know, you got to think you might every now and then it surprises you. But no, nothing, nothing there for Joey. So that's just one cent. Here we go. Pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, Trevor Wilson. I remember Trevor Wilson. I remember him. Not much about him. This likewise is a rookie card. And that is worth seven cents. Yes. And he's yes. wearing real stirrups. So that's an eight cent card for Trevor Wilson. Wow. Just slowly, slowly building the empire. You are. Now, here you go. You're your first Hall of Famer. There we go. He, uh, I'm sure, is wearing real stirrups, but we can't see it. Never wore a mustache. At this point, he's wearing number 72 for the Chicago White Sox. Pudge. The oh. original. Carlton Fisk. <clears throat> Carlton Fisk, yep. That's, uh, wow. Got my got to get my glasses on to read the back of his card because uh, played a long you're, time. You're in the, the senior professional radio uh, podcast league. <laughs> so that is a 12-cent card because he is a Hall of Famer plus the seven. Yes! That's a good card right there. Right on. Next pitch for the Chicago White Sox, Sean Hilgis. I'm, Again, remember the name? I re- yeah. I remember that he was a, a reliever. Him and Thigpen used to uh, kind of sew things up at the in, in relief there. Yeah. So uh, no no uh, value on the card, but he does have real strips. Uh, if it was not for team leader cards, you would have very little. Here is your third team leader. Card. <laughs> this is a good one though. It's the Milwaukee Brewers, and it's Rob Deere. Oh, and it Rob looks like Deere. he's actually made contact though. He. I'm guessing it's a home run because he was a two true outcome guy. None of this three, you know, strikeout walk or home run. It was either a strikeout or a home run. And I, this one must've been a home run because he made Rob Deere was man, just swing as hard as he can. And every once in a while, you're going to hit it and it's going to go a long ways. Yeah. So uh, back the card, the leader board is all Paul Molitor or Robin Yount, except for home runs, which is Rob Deere. The pitcher side, it's Chuck Krim. There's a name I haven't oh, wow. heard for a while. Yeah. Chris Bazio and Teddy Hagera. Oh man, I remember Bazio and Hagera very well. Those those guys were not bad back to back. Yeah, so you've got two cards left here. Uh I believe this guy was a pitching coach for a while for the at this point with the Padres, Dave Leeper. Oh sure. I remember Dave Leeper. He uh wasn't he with Oakland at one point? Yeah, he came up with the A's. He played yeah. three years with the A's, and then this was uh, the Padres' second year. Second year. Uh, not worth anything, and he is not sporting a mustache or strips. Now, here, this could be your winner right here. Your final card. This is a good card. I remember this card. It's a nice card. It is a rookie card from the Seattle Mariners. Bone himself. Oh, nice. Jay Buhner. Jay! Well, I can't do it as Gets, we should have had Tom record a couple of uh, player Oh, markers. man, no kidding. So that's a good look. I remember this card. It's got my favorite Mariner uniforms with the gold S on the hat. But. All right, so your total, 
uh, is an acceptable 43 cents. Oh, that is not bad. And you know what? You can't really pick out and name any huge hit I got, you know? Well, the, the Mattingly and the Buner cards were your two big money cards. It was really just kind of a smooth, lots of stirrups, lots of mustaches. <laughs> All right. So 43 cents is what I've got to beat. Let's open my card, uh, my pack here. Uh, on the front cover is Donnie Hill of the Chicago White Sox. So it's <laughs> not going to be a good start. I can tell you that much. Uh, Donnie Hill, I uh, basically a utility infielder. And uh, that is surprisingly enough worth nothing. Yeah, not a lot of utility infielders have valuable baseball cards. No. Now next we've got uh, for from the New York Mets catcher Barry Lyons. Again. Sure. Not I, I remember the name, but nothing there. Now he's not sporting a mustache, but he has got. Uh, it almost looks like a mustache busting out of the top of his t-shirt under his jersey. Uh, he's got some some chest hair there that almost counts as a as a mustache, but no. Uh, oh boy, here's a name catcher. I, I've got all the catchers apparently this week. <laughs> catcher at this point for the uh, Boston Red Sox. I remember him a lot from the Yankees. Rick Cerrone. Oh, yeah, sure. Always, uh, never a number one catcher, really. It looked like it looks like he was every 87 he was for the Yankees, 113 games, and then 79 and 80 for the Blue Jays and Yankees, 136 and 147 games. Other than that, a solid backup, backup catcher. But uh, he yeah. has got a big bushy mustache. That's the only thing that's going to get me anything there. This guy is a former manager now. He is snarling at the camera in this picture. <laughs> he looks rough here. Uh, at this point for the Cleveland Indians, John Farrell. Oh, yeah. John Farrell yeah. Uh, and he tried to intimidate you on his baseball. Yeah, now did he manage the, the White Sox, or the, the White Sox, the Red Sox at one point? Yeah, I think or it was, was the Red it Sox. The, or was it the Indians, or was it both maybe? I don't know. It might have been both. I, I thought it was the Red Sox for sure, though. But no mustache, no stirrups. I like this guy. Dale Swaim at this point oh, of the uh, Brewers. Absolutely. He has got, nice, got a nice mustache there. Now, Dale Swaim, I believe, managed the Cubs for like a hot minute, didn't he? I think so, yeah. I think I, so. I think he was also the A's batting coach or bench coach for a year or two a little while back, but. No, uh, no value except for the mustache there. Never heard of this guy for the Royals. Larry Owen. No Catcher. Clue. <laughs> no clue. Boy, and this picture, you can tell he is just happy somebody's taking his picture. He is so pleased to be there, as I would be too. Uh, at this point, he had been in the big leagues for six years as a, look like, looks like he's just kind of the, the uh, AAA catcher that gets called up when one of the big league catchers gets injured. Yeah, not not much in the way of time right. in the big leagues, but still he was like a, like another toughie, toughie ghost witch. <laughs> That's right. you, you brought up. A, you brought up a toughie earlier. I thought I'd bring up. the. I remember I, I told you I was at uh, what was, I was at Round Rock. I went to a game right. this year and toughie ghost witch was playing. That's right. All right. Now, this guy I remember from going to A's games growing up. He was in the outfield with Tony Armas and Ricky Henderson, Mr. Dwayne Murphy. Oh, yeah. 
667. His card is not worth anything. He's got that mustache he always had, and I can't see any stirrups. But I remember Dwayne. He's been, he's been a coach for quite some time. He bounces around. Oh, I got a manager card, and you know these are always worth a lot. Super valuable. Can yeah. you beat Whitey Herzog? Well, no, I can't. This is uh, for the White Sox Jim Fergosi. Oh. On the back, though, there is a White Sox checklist. So oh, lucky. That's fun. Uh, but obviously that card is not worth anything. Another uh, athletics outfielder. Oh, this is an interesting picture. Stan Javier. Oh, finished his career with the Mariners. And uh, funny story, um, his very last at bat ever, he came up to bat and I said, you know, we should have been playing the song Stan in the place where you live. <laughs> and they went, good. That would have been great. Way to come up with it. His very last at bat of his entire career. Genius. <laughs> well, this is an interesting card. He's smiling during BP. He's got his BP jersey on at Old Tiger Stadium. His hat. I, I, you know, when you put a hat on, you generally pull it down a little bit. I think he put it on the top of his head and just rested <laughs> it there because it is it, it makes his head look very, very long. Maybe he's just got a pointy head. I don't know. But that card is not worth anything. He does have a mustache, though. So I have so far four cards with four mustaches and that's it. <laughs> Now, this guy, I remember the name, but I might just be confusing it with Mel Hall. This is Albert Hall for the Atlanta Braves. Albert Hall. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, not worth anything. No mustache. Wow, he'd been, uh, been up at the Braves for since 1981. Huh. Gotten in 90, 87, 92, 85 games per season. But... Uh, and apparently hit the cycle on September 23rd, 1987 against the Astros. There you go. Yeah. You get a point for that? I don't. Well, I guess I am the commissioner, so I could. That's right. <laughs> New point. Uh, so I've got a rated rookie card here. Tops all-star rookie. Not quite the caliber of Mr. J. Buner. Okay. I remember this name. I don't know why. Maybe because I had this card, but he didn't do much. Dave Gallagher. I remember Dave Gallagher, sure. He did so little that even this rookie card is not worth a cent. <laughs> um, boy, it looks like he didn't shave, but he's got a very light facial hair, so I can't even call that a mustache. But That's, he went on to a great career in, uh, as a stand-up comic, smashing watermelons and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it's funny. He's a rated rookie, but you turn the back of his card over, and he has been in the minors since 1980. And this is a 1989 set. Wow. That's a, for somebody to be a rated rookie and has spent that much time in the minors. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. So I've got three cards left and it, you, <laughs> I'd, I'd fire up the bus if I were you. I don't think okay. I got much. Uh, here we go. Outfielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates, John Cangelosi. Mm -hmm. uh, that card is not worth anything. Uh, no mustache really to speak of. He uh, was the, became the first Pittsburgh Pirate to steal home since Manny Moda in 1966. Oh, man, I remember that. <laughs> wow, I did. John Cangelosi in 1986 had 50 stolen bases. Wow. I, I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, obviously didn't lead the league because Ricky led the league that year. But 
I did not know he uh, had that kind of those kind of wheels. Now I've got two cards left here. I'm going to move this one to the end. I don't think it's going to beat you, but it's the best card I've got. So I'm going to go first with catcher for the Montreal Expos, Mike Fitzgerald. I don't remember Mike, but it's interesting. Mike Fitzgerald has one of those sweatbands on in this picture with his caricature on. How really? in the world does Mike Fitzgerald have one of those? <laughs> That's pretty funny. That is odd. Uh, he is sporting a mustache, so I am up to five total cents. Coming into my last card. Last card is a member of the Oakland A's at this point. He is a big uh, ginger individual <laughs> wearing number 25, Mr. Mark McGuire. Oh, the man. Hey, that's uh, that his, his rookie was an 85 U.S. Olympic team. I remember that. I think that. that was his first card as a professional. Yeah, but this is, uh, so this is, he's four years in at this point, and this card is only worth f- uh, five cents. Uh, no, uh, I, I'd be willing to bet he was not wear syrups. He always wore those two and ones. And he did. Did not have a mustache or a beard at this point, so that is only worth five cents. But that does double my total to 10 cents. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I chose right for once. I don't believe you it. You absolutely did. And with that, you bring your win total up 10 and crawl to within one. We have a shot to catch you next week, man. That's right. So I only had one decent card there. Uh, that being McGuire, you had the Mattingly and the Buner, which yes. alone beat me quite soundly. So there you go. There, there you have it for another edition of Wax Packs Heroes. Too fun, man. Good stuff. That was uh, good stuff. So I'd like to remind everybody that you can find us on social media. We uh, love to talk to you there. You can find us at either Twitter or at uh, on Instagram at Two Strike Noise. That is at T-W-O Strike Noise. We are pretty active there. Uh, also, like to remind you that if you are listening to this, uh, you're you clearly pulling down this uh, podcast on some platform. If you want to rate or review us, we always appreciate that. Um, you know, if you're going to give us one star, then just probably don't bother. Yeah, the, but, you know, why waste your time? <clears throat> yeah, you got better. You're clearly an important person. You're clearly busy. You got better things to do than to do that. If you're just going to leave us one star, yeah, but on. otherwise, we appreciate it as always. Uh, Mark, this was a lot of fun. I think we've got something very interesting lined up next week. We're uh, hoping to have a guest on if that works out. So uh, do you, you want to do another one of these? You know, I had so much fun today. I, I think I want to do one more. Just one more. All right. Well, might be our farewell episode. <laughs> at uh, least one more. How's that? At least one more. All right. Just to remind everybody, uh, baseball is happening this month, as we said at the beginning of the show. So be excited about that pitchers and catchers report in just over a week. Oh, man. And uh, good. This is an exciting t- This is a big anticipation time for yes. baseball fans, and it's very exciting. So That's right. I'd like to thank everyone again for listening. Uh, we really do appreciate everybody uh, out there listening. A lot of podcasts out there, a lot of baseball podcasts, not as many baseball history podcasts, but there are some other really good ones out there as well. So we really do appreciate you uh, listening to us every week and uh, share with your friends. Let them know. But until next week, uh, I will bid you adieu and uh, see you on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.
Hey, if anybody hears this, Jeff didn't edit it out. <laughs> Sorry, just being a dork. Um, God, I'm going to stick that on the end after the closing music just dude, to see would, if anybody hears it. That would it. be freaking funny. I'm going to do it.